back for another episode of the Windy City Way podcast. My name is Joey Bishney, and here with me, as always, is Brian Forrest. Brian, we haven't been on for a little while, but uh, I think now is a really good time to get on, especially what's happened this past week. It's been pretty chaotic with some big trades for both the Bulls and Blackhawks, but it's good to have you on again and, and get talking about this. Yeah, a lot's action this week. Yeah, it's been definitely chaotic, and we're going to go ahead and get into that. But just before that, we're going to do the trivia question. So trivia question for this episode is excluding the NBA expansion draft, who is the first ever player drafted by the Bulls? So a little relevant, uh, but if you, I'm going to give you the names because I probably wouldn't guess, have guessed a couple of these. So first one, all-time name, Bob Boozer. Great name. Second, Jim Washington. Third, Guy Rogers. Or fourth, Dave Shellhase. So you got four choices. A, Bob Boozer. B, Jim Washington. C, Guy Rogers. Or D, Dave Shellhase. And we'll get to that at the end of the podcast. And if you knew that, well, goddamn, you are a lifelong and longtime Bulls fan if you know the answer to that. Uh, but let, pretty relevant we got to get into it right away, Brian. I mean, Jimmy Buckets, he's gone. He is no longer a Bulls player, and he went to the Wolves. Um, so let's officially the, the trade breaking it down is, is the Bulls send Jimmy Butler and the 16th pick to the Timberwolves for Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, and the number seven pick in this draft, which turned out to be Larry Markinen. So those three pay- players are what the Bulls got for their 16th and for Jimmy Buckets. So we'll kind of break it down a little bit, um, and I want to hear what you have to say you know, regarding each part of this trade. So just in terms of Jimmy no longer being on the team, us trading away Jimmy, um, do you like this move? Do you, do you think like, all right, this is, you know, it's time to rebuild. We had to get rid of Jimmy, or is this, you know, he's – Entering his prime, we could still try and find pieces to build around him in free agency. It was a stupid move. When it comes to just the move of getting rid of Jimmy or not, I was supportive of them getting rid of him. Um, now that obviously depended on what kind of value they'd be able to get for him, and that's, I guess, going to be like the second part we get into. But just in a vacuum, getting rid of him, I actually kind of like the move because I didn't think the Bulls were going to be ready to really win anything when they still had Jimmy, and they didn't really have that good of a way to get better while they had him so i actually had been wanting them to get rid of him i was a little disappointed they didn't get rid of him last year at the trade deadline um especially with what the the packages were that were rumored to be offered yeah and if you just look at it now you have lebron in the east and you have obviously the juggernaut golden state out in the west and so you'd figure that these two teams especially golden state being younger are just going to keep dominating for the next however many years it's going to be and even LeBron what he's 32 but he's still going to be playing at a very high level for another couple years and he's still going to be able to attract whatever players to his team um, and some you know veterans for less money so looking at the Bulls roster you're like all right well if they keep Jimmy who else are they going to get in free agency like does Blake Griffin really make you you know the best in the east you know does maybe Kyle Lowry really make you the best in the east so Kind of looking at it like you said, and just in terms of trading Jimmy, I don't hate the move necessarily. Like I love Jimmy, and it's been you know he is the epitome of showing what hard work and perseverance can do and get you in the league. 
Um, but I just didn't see us winning with him. And it's almost one of those things like, you know, for instance, the Sox had to trade Chris Sale. You know, the, you're going to waste the guy in his prime while you're not going to be able to win around him and just be an average team. And that's kind of what would have happened with Jimmy, I think, is that we just would have been wasting his talent, you know, being 500 every year, maybe making the seventh or eighth seed in the playoffs. And so in terms of trading him, I think for him as well, it was it was the right move. You know, he wants to go and, and try and win somewhere, I'm sure. So I think we agree on that. But now's the time where we get into the trade and dive a little bit deeper into, you know, exactly <laughs> what we got back for Jimmy. So first, let's just let's not talk about the players we got back. You can agree with me, right, how stupid it was that we gave them our 16th pick. Like, if you're trying yeah. to if you're trying to rebuild, like, you know, Pax actually came out and said we're rebuilding. You know, finally they have a direction. You keep your picks. Like, I'm still pr- pretty convinced they could have still made the deal while keeping their 16th pick. I mean, it's a valuable pick. Yeah, I agree with you. And that just, to me, shows, like, just terrible negotiating on the, on the part of the Bulls because – Obviously, like the deal was built around, yeah, we're getting the seventh pick, we're getting these players, and then probably the Timberwolves asked, all right, we want you to give back that 16th pick, and for whatever reason, the Bulls said yes to that, which I think is insane. The, the deal, I think, if the deal couldn't get done without the Bulls, including the 16th pick, then it shouldn't have gotten done. I don't think it should have gotten done anyway, but it's just so ridiculous that you get that type of value for Jimmy Butler, and you're having to give back a pick to the team that's getting jimmy butler you're sending jimmy butler out in in the trade he's by far the most valuable thing and it's just insane that you'd have to give up a pick yeah it just that one rubbed me the wrong way it was just like it didn't make sense when when i saw they swap picks i was like how does that how does that even make sense for for someone like jimmy who averaged 24 six and almost six assists it's like it's crazy but um they traded jimmy butler probably a top 10 or 15 player in the league right now in his prime and they couldn't even get a single, like, actual first-round pick because they did a pick swap and then no future picks. Like, it's just – that's just insane to me that they couldn't – they couldn't net any additional picks. I think when you're trading for a player like that, my asking price would be starting, I need that pick this year. And then we couldn't get them to throw in a future pick, even if it's, like, three or four years down the line, get them to throw it in and then – you know they're probably going to be a pretty good team, but maybe they're bad. That's how you, that's how you really build in the NBA is you take advantage of teams and get them to give give you future first round picks. Look at the Celtics for example. They have like a hundred picks in the next three years in the first round. It's ridiculous. They're they're a scary team that are building. That's how the 76ers did it. And if they the 76ers can stay healthy, well that that proved to work. So I agree with you on that. Um, let's get into the players that we got back. So. You know, I like Zach Levine. He was really breaking out, um, you know, last year before his injury. And, and I have a friend of mine who is a, a Wolves fan, and he he was really liked Levine. Um, and obviously, coming off what an, an ACL tear, it's it's tough, especially because so much of his game is predicated on his athleticism and his explosion. Uh, we all know, it, you know, the, the too familiar story with, with D Rose and. You know he, his knee injury problems. So um, while I, I do think they have a different mentality, and maybe Zach Levine can come back strong again, it's just already even just taking Zach Levine into the picture, Brian. It, it, it's a scary pick because he's he's the main player, obviously, in this deal, and 
he could never return to what he was before. Yeah, in general, I have liked Zach Levine as a player, and most of me talking about liking him was lamenting the fact that we took Doug McDermott when we could have taken Levine. I think Levine right. went like went like a pick later, and that's not really relevant to this trade at all. But for some reason, it just makes it feel a little worse for me that we had to get this guy. We had to give up Jimmy to get this guy when we could have just had him instead of taking Doug. But while I like Zach Levine generally. I don't think he's like nearly. I don't like him nearly enough to think of him as being like a, a worthwhile centerpiece in the Jimmy deal. He doesn't really defend, even though he's really athletic and played for Tibbs last year. You know, you think Tibbs can get anyone to defend? Levine can't really defend, and he's. Um, if we ever get in a slam dunk contest, I think we'll be in really good shape yeah. with him. I think he won once or twice, but. My other problem with him was I was actually even – I was talking to my brother about this. But before we even had gotten Levine, I was like, you know, he's going into the last year of his rookie deal, so he's going to be coming up after that. He's going to need to either get an extension or he's going to have to take the tender and then be eligible for a new contract. And I was kind of saying, what would the Wolves do with him? Because he's not a guy I think is worth like paying a ton of money to. He's not totally proven yet, but he's one of those guys that might demand that on the open market. So he's like – in that in-between area where right now he's a good, interesting young player on a rookie deal, but then once you actually have to pay real money for him, then he has a chance to turn into like an overpaid guy who isn't really that valuable to have on your team. Yeah, and with the cap the way it is, some players who don't deserve it are getting outrageous money, and you're right, he could be one of those tweeners that just gets a big deal. Um, what I've seen of Levine, I've liked, like you said, it's just for him to be pretty much the centerpiece of the deal, like when you said, when we could have just taken him in the draft. It does hurt a little bit more, I think, in, in this trade. But let's move on um, to who else was in this pick. Uh, Chris Dunn, he or he didn't have a good season at all last year. Like, just everyone knows it. But luckily, we know what rookies play like under Tibbs and how they don't get a huge chance. And Tibbs has sort of these players that he trusts and he trusts Rubio because Rubio was a, what, like a five, six year veteran. And he did the things that Tibbs wanted him to do. Uh, the things that I really like about Chris Dunn is that he still has a lot of room to grow. Um, and he was really highly touted what he was fifth overall. Right. I think, um, yeah. in, in last year's draft. So he still has a lot to prove and, He's really, really good defensively. Like he has the chance to become an elite defender, and so just having someone who can defend on the team on the on the perimeter again is going to be nice. Especially you know losing Jimmy, we, we really don't have that strong of really anyone on the team who can defend really well on the perimeter. And now I think he can do that. I think he, what he's like six five with a six nine wingspan. So there are things about him to like, um, but obviously you have a full year's worth of game time to look at and it just wasn't good last year yeah and the thing that really bothers me about this is supposedly i mean you don't exactly know if this is true but last year around draft time the bulls coveted chris dunn and supposedly the deal on the table was centered around chris dunn and zach levine for jimmy um and i don't know if there were there were probably other picks going to be involved in that too but zach levine his stock went down obviously he had an acl tear chris dunn had a terrible year so his stock went down jimmy had an excellent year made all nba and somehow we end up doing basically (laughs) the same deal 
And actually, it's surprising to people, but Zach Levine's younger than Chris Dunn. Even though Zach Levine's been in the NBA, I think, three years, Chris Dunn only one. Yeah, Dunn was was a four-year starter, I think, right? Yeah, he was like a 23-year-old rookie last year, which is is another thing that doesn't exactly bode well for him improving and blossoming into a great player. Although I will will at least be excited to to see him, and he has at least the potential of being drafted number five. But um, I don't know. It's just... I have to sort of separate my feelings on the value we got in the deal, which I think is a terrible trade, versus how I think about these players, which is, yeah, some of them might be good and they're going to be exciting to watch. And But like even if I like some of these players as prospects, it, it doesn't mean that I think the trade is good. And that's like kind of the balance I'm trying to strike. Yeah, no, I get that. And, and those first two players, when you're trading away your best player, um, who, who's in his prime and still has a couple years left in his prime, and you trade him away for another team's, you know, third and f- and maybe seventh best player. I mean, that just doesn't make up for it. Um, it, it just doesn't. The only thing that is sort of making me a little happy in this deal is that we got the number seventh pick, number seven pick, and we drafted Laurie Markkinen, and I'm a big fan I'm obviously a homer went to Arizona but I also have watched a lot of him and I think he's the real deal um yeah he needs to bulk up a little bit but he is such a just a pure shooter and there's just so much more to his game as as well I mean he's good down low he's not a great rebounder but he's he's no slouch like he's he's a pretty decent rebounder I mean you would hope so he's seven foot tall but still he's I mean he He's going to be a great pick-and-pop guy for sure with hopefully it'll be Chris Dunn or whoever's going to be running the point at that time, maybe Levine since he's a good three-point shooter. And I just I think he's going to be really, really good for a stretch for, I mean, the way the NBA is going, and I think even Pax mentioned this in his, in his interview, is just, you know, there's obviously a lot more shooting. The, the You know, the, the four is essentially now more converted into a stretch four. It's... Think of like what Nico should be, and that's what I think Markkinen can be, but even more. Um, that's really how much I I think he can succeed in this league, and I think his ceiling is really high. And I hate when everyone says that sometimes, because like yes, there are a lot of players whose ceiling can be high, but I mean you don't. It's not every day you see a seven footer who can handle, who can pass, who can shoot from deep, and and I'm really excited about this pick. Yeah, I I have to disagree. I did. I'm not very excited about marketing. And a lot, I mean, a lot of what you're saying is is true with some of the stuff he has potential to be. But um, let me ask you: when when we had the seventh pick, is he who you were hoping they would take? Because for me, he's like the one guy at that spot that I did not want want them to take. I would have. He, he was though for for me just because I watched like a lot of him. I really, I mean, I've seen a lot of him versus, you know, Pac-12 competition, which is good competition. And it's weird. I think where I'll agree with you and and I think you might be going down this road is that it's like we don't really need this type of player because we're trying to see what Miritich is and we have Bobby Portis and we still have Lopez and it's kind of like where is he going to get a lot of these minutes? But he's still really young, and he he brings something to this team that we don't we don't we don't have many pure shooters on this team at all. And especially if we want to run, 
you know, the fact of the matter is, is that the, the front office is they they traded Jimmy and now they're putting their trust in Fred, right? Like that, that's what they're doing. They're saying, Fred, you basically have like two years right now, and if you don't, if we don't see an improvement on this team, then you're gone. You know, that's obvious. You know, that's probably what they're thinking is because we never really got to see a, a chance of what Hoyball can be. You know, due to obviously the Rondo and the Wade deals, you know, so. This, I think, is going to be the chance. While we're going to be bad, it's clear about that. Uh, I'm just curious to see how Fred's system comes to be now, now that he might have some of the players that he wants, and I think Markinen is going to fill that role perfectly. So, you know, that's just where I'm coming from with it, and, and knowing that we're not going to compete and he has time to grow, um, that's what I'm excited about. Yeah, it's definitely nice to get shooting, and especially we'll get to, you know, give Fred some of the players that he likes. And so then... Um, if he if he fails again, like it'll be at least a little bit on him because right. this past year I would have blamed it a lot more on on guard packs and the roster they gave him. But just for me, I I definitely didn't watch as much of Markinen as you being an Arizona fan. But I just I just wasn't into him as a prospect. Like I mean, and it's not because of the positions we already have. You know, I am shocked that. Miritich might be back on our team next year. I th- yeah, I was I just totally I was totally done with him. I do not I do not want to pay him. He's going to get upwards of ten million a year, and it should not be from us. And you know, Portis he has some potential too, but we don't we don't have anyone at the big man position who would stop me from getting another big man. Basically, no one's that good. Even Lopez, he's he's not going to be around for the long term. So I didn't have a problem with that. I just I just didn't like him that much. I mean, I was. I was uh, I was listening to another podcast with uh, the Ringer. I think it was Kevin O'Connor was talking about how uh, Markinen, you know, he's a, he's a seven footer. He shoots really well, but he is he's just kind of a shooter who, and this is his opinion, who happens to be seven feet, but he doesn't do a lot of things that like a seven footers do. Like he doesn't protect the rim. He doesn't rebound particularly well. Um, so I don't know. It just it, it seems. To me, he's like another another Miritich, and hopefully he's better than Miritich, but there were other guys that I would have preferred they picked at that spot. So what the thing I think with him is is that you know what you're going to be getting in him. It's just it's pure offense. It's, it's shooting. Like He's one of those players that you just immediately know what he's going to be, and you hope he can improve on other things. What what I like about him is he was like one of the most efficient scorers in all of NCAA basketball last year. So he chooses the right shots. Um, you're right. He like he's not an excellent rebounder, but he does a good enough job. That's something he can also work on. He's not going to be great at defense, but he's also not a center. Like he's going to spend a lot of his time near the three point line or in pick and roll situations or even on defense. We're, we're going to be – he's probably never going to be playing the five. So we're always going to have another guy in there to rim protect. And, yeah, he's seven feet. But think about Gasol even when – like even even in Gasol's like prime, like his, his best years with the Lakers, he was still an awful defender, you know. So not saying that he's going to be as skilled as Gasol offensively. I'm just saying like there's a use for his skill in the league and on our team. And, and that's what I'm looking forward to. So I – Obviously, a little bit biased, um, but when I saw that we were taking him, just having seen him and, and you know just believing that he can be an NBA player, I'm excited that we got him because 
you know, there's not going to be really much pressure on him right away. It's going to be, you know, just continue to grow with the team because we're going to suck for a while. So um, that's where I'm at with that. I mean, it, just in general, on the, on the overall trade, we're both probably not entirely happy with what we got back. But I, I heard an interview with Legler on ESPN Chicago, and he was saying, like, how many better offers really were there for Jimmy? Um, I don't think there might have been that many offers. I mean, Legler was even under the – like, the he was under the impression that – that Jimmy isn't even as elite as a lot of us think. And I can understand that there's definitely, I'm sure, a lot of Chicago bias for Jimmy Butler. Um, I still think we should have got back back more in the deal. But, Brian, there may have not really been many offers that came even close to this. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, though, you could have kept him until the trade deadline. And there probably would have been some pretty good offers then. Um, even last trade deadline, based on the rumors, it seemed like there definitely were better offers based on some of the picks you could have gotten from Boston. Like, I don't know for sure. Like, there's conflicting reports on whether their lottery pick this year was even on the table. Obviously, that turned into be number one, but, um, they have another Brooklyn pick coming up and that could be really bad again. Like, any of getting those picks, I think, would have been more valuable than what we got. I don't know. I, I just think, if you can't get, if you can't get like what is reasonably thought of as good value, then maybe you wait it out and maybe you don't trade him. It's kind of like, I think the situation Indiana's in with Paul George is, um, they're trying to get what they can, but if they can't get anything that is actually gonna um, be satisfactory, I think they might just hold on to him through the I year. I think let- so, dude. He's gonna walk for free. You get anything you can for him. That's. That's the problem that I think the Bulls have made before, like Gasol and with um, – there's, there's been other players where they just hold on to them thinking like even Taj. Like you could have traded Taj even with, with a higher value. Um, I, I think that, they're, that they're, you guys, the Pacers are trying to get rid of him as soon as possible. Taj to me is like an example of like what I was saying though. Like they – what did you get for Taj? You got campaign and that's – that's like trash to me. Like you right, might as well held on not to even him trade. For too long though, he had a higher value, you know, even a year ago. Yeah, probably. But it, that's like at that point, like if I'm if I'm the Pacers, and you know we have Paul George, and someone offers me like some middling prospect and a second round pick, like I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to let Paul George leave at the end of the year. If like if there's this, at a certain point where the the ret- Turn you can get if it's that bad. It's like not even worth like letting the other know, team dude, I, get I'd him. Take, I'd take any. Like you know the player is leaving. Like you you know he's gone. I would I would make a deal. Like I'd, I'd take not anything, but you can't just let him walk if you know he's going to leave. In my opinion, but I mean, the, so that's probably where we differ a little bit on Jimmy. I know I know the the, the deal was made a little quick um, in terms of like how. You know, soon it was after the draft, maybe or during the draft, obviously. So you didn't really assess a lot of things, but at the same time, Jimmy's basically been, you know, available for six months now. You know, it's it's been known that that he's been like we've had talks with the Celtics for, and and you and I were talking about this a long time ago, how at that point we thought Jimmy was worth a lot of those Celtics picks. I, I think we still do, but. I just think maybe the fact of the matter is that there weren't any better deals on the table for Jimmy Butler right now. And I don't know if there ever would have been. Yeah, maybe the Celtics would have caved in just because they have so many picks. And yes, I would have been happier with 
you know, a first round pick, first round picks, you know, in years to come and wait it out, that's fine because of the process now that we're going to have to go through as Bulls fans. But I think for what they wanted right now, it just, there wasn't much else available. Maybe, but I mean, to me, that's where your like negotiation skills have to come into play because you're obviously somewhat limited based on, you know, there's a limited pool of teams who would be interested in trading for Jimmy Butler. And then you have to pick among the prospects that those teams have and maybe they won't give up their great prospects like obviously uh the, the timberwolves wouldn't have been willing to give up like carl anthony towns and i guess they weren't willing to give up wiggins even though i think wiggins would have been reasonable value to get for jimmy butler but that's not the point i'm trying to make right now but where your negotiation comes into play is getting those picks so yeah maybe you can only get levine and Dunn, and then you, you get like the seventh pick this year but what you got, you got to get them to throw in future picks, even if they're not next year. You get those down the line because who knows? Like what you were saying with the Celtics, the Nets were like, "Oh yeah, who cares? We'll throw in these picks. We're, yeah. we're going to be a good, we're going to be a good team anyway. Plus, it's five years down the line. People don't don't always think ahead or value those as highly. And then you get those, and those are lottery tickets that can obviously uh, be cashed in for huge value in, in some situations. Tibbs wins again, man. So. That's another interesting element of it, actually, because there's all that bad blood between Tibbs yeah, and Gar exactly. and Pax, and I'm surprised. I'm surprised they would have traded Jimmy to Tibbs, with considering that, unless, like, unless Tibbs gave you some offer that was so amazing you couldn't refuse it. But I don't consider that offer to be like that. Maybe part of their thinking was we don't want Jimmy to be in the East, even though they know they're not going to be competing for the next couple of years. I'm just glad Jimmy's not in the East. I'm glad he's in the West, and I'm I'm actually pretty pumped to to now watch more Wolves games because that team I already like. There, I think we talked about this on the pod actually a while ago. You're, my they're like my um, Western Conference team that just they're they're exciting to watch. Um, but now with Jimmy, I think they can. I think they'll definitely make the playoffs, and I, I think they have a chance to, to maybe win, um, you know, at least a round um, and, and gain some experience for for Cat and Wiggins. I don't know if Jimmy's gonna, op or uh, you know, he hits free agency in two years, so I don't know what what that's gonna be like if he if he chooses to stay with them. I mean, maybe if they're a, a solid, you know, really good, somewhat contending team by then, then maybe he'll stay. But right now, it kind of feels like the the pressure's on on Tibbs to kind of get it done within these next two years to try and make them at least compete in the playoffs. So um, we'll see it. But a team who hasn't been competing in the playoffs for the past couple of uh, years, the Hawks just made a couple <laughs> of trades that hopefully will allow them to compete in the playoffs. And I think that's going to be a, a key into one of the trades that we talk um, re- with regards to Artemi Panarin and Saad. But before we, we get to that one, because that's a huge trade, um, we we got to first get into you know Jammer. Uh, he's gone. It's it's really sad. I mean, ten years with the Hawks and you know three cups. He he is one of the original core members, and it's just it's sad to see him go, man. It's uh, he was still playing such good hockey, and and um, one one of my all time favorites for the Hawks, and it just sucks to see him go. Yeah, that is a bummer, especially because as I feel like everyone's talked about with the Hawks the last few years, the the defense has been their weakness having a great group of forwards who can score it's always been like you only have three real reliable defensemen keith seabrook and jalmerson and now one of those is gone so it is a bummer i didn't realize it had been 10 years but wow yeah crazy um, right? yeah like a, a lot of 
a lot of nostalgia with him. I remember him like on the first cup team, he was a young player who, who stepped it up for them and, and made himself part of the core. Yeah. It's, he's, he's the first one to, to go really, I mean, and obviously, you know, we'll get to host in a second, but we lost two core members um, in the past week. So that that's tough. But in terms of the Jalmerson trade, Blackhawks received uh, defenseman Connor Murphy and center Laurent Dolphin uh, from the Yotes. Murphy, who's only 24, he had two goals and a career-high 15 assists in 77 games this season. And Dolphin, he's 22. He This stat's like he appeared in 32 NHL games over the past two seasons. So not exactly the, the best run so far. But listen, young guys, um, anything to say on them? It's I'm trying to think of like where he was going with this trade, obviously what first comes to mind is what I just said, you know, they're, they're getting younger and that might be the main thing. But then again, you know, Jammer, you know, he's 30 and 30 in hockey years. Isn't that old? Yeah. I have a harder time assessing these cause I have to admit, I know a lot less about a lot of the players throughout the NHL, especially prospects compared to like the NBA, especially but the Coyotes um, at, yeah. Like, I don't, but from like what it sounds like and like reading other people, Connor Murphy doesn't sound like he's really that good. And I, I don't know about this other guy. I mean, he sounds okay, but especially considering how our defense is already kind of a weakness, having to trade away like a reliable rock guy you have back there, I would have hoped we could have got back like some at least young, like very promising prospect, like. A Nick Letty type of guy, even though he's another guy we we traded away years ago. Like some guy like that, where we could be like, okay, even though we're getting rid of Jalmerson, like we this guy could be really good for a long time. I don't know. It didn't really sound like these guys were like that. Yeah, I think a lot of it is uh, probably save some cap too. Um, you know, get rid of Jammer's contract. So uh, I'm, I'm sure that had a role to play in, in it as well. Um, yeah, and I think he was coming up for a new contract soon. I think that was probably part of it. They knew that they wouldn't be able to, to afford to pay him what he was worth. Exactly. Yeah. He's, he's going to get another big contract. Um, and you know, we just lost TVR. So hopefully Murphy can bring some of that speed, um, and aggressiveness on the blue line. Um, cause now TVR isn't TVR going to the golden Knights. Is that what's up? Or is that Kruger? Cause Kruger's leaving. Um, too. I think TVR. Yeah. He got expansion drafted by the golden Knights, That's right? right? Or, yeah, but I mean, I don't, I don't consider that a loss. He sucked. It's a game. <laughs> we were, I swear, I, I think I've been on the fence with TVR for the last four years, three years. So, um, yeah, he just never fully recovered. I think from that knee injury either. But anyways, let's move on to the really the blockbuster deal was that the Blackhawks sent Panarin and Tyler Mott as well as a 2017 sixth round pick to the um, Columbus Blue Jackets in return for um, Saad. So the Saad father's back, as well as Anton Forsberg, and a 2018 fifth rounder. So Hawks the Saad father. I know, he's back. It's great. Anton Forsberg, uh, you know, darling leaves. you got to replace the backup keeper. He fits in there pretty nicely. Um, the Saad father is back. Now, initial reaction was pretty bummed because big bread man fan, but... You know, when I think about it, he obviously didn't have a good playoffs, and I think his skill set maybe translate a, translates a little bit better to the regular season. Um, whereas I think Sod is is definitely more of a two way forward. So especially with Hosa leaving, that's going to help having Sod back. 
Um, and I think he's just going to be a better fit for the playoffs. Also, you know, Taves needed needed someone to help him out um, on the top line, and Saad's going to fit perfectly back up there. So pretty pretty pumped to have Saad back. It sucks to see the bread man go, but I remember when we were talking, we were really, really pissed at, uh, that, that Saad left, and really the only thing made up for it was that we got Panarin, so it's kind of funny how now we're swapping Panarin for him. Yeah, that is true, because that was like the one silver lining of getting rid of Saad. You were like, well... I mean, we got Anisimov, who's a good player, but it was like, well, at least we got Panarin, who's our new exciting young forward. But, yeah, I saw some really good stat on Twitter that was like Taves' uh, points per game average playing with Saad. I don't remember what the number is, but then that versus what his points per game average is with other guys since then, and it was significantly better with Saad. So um, it kind of sounds like they they a little bit stole from Kane to pay Taves, like, Panarin right. was Kane's guy. They played really well together, so they sort of screwed him over. He's probably a little pissed, but I think now Dave's going to benefit from it and have a better guy. And honestly, I'm fine with that because I feel like Kane, even though he was super good with Panarin, he he can play well with other guys. And, exactly. And I think him and Side were buddies at least, so he's probably not totally pissed about it. Yeah, it's you break up one bromance and you bring back another um... – I think Taves needed to help more than Kane did because Kane can make anyone better. And yes, Johnny can, but Johnny needs a little bit more help on that top line up there as well. So I, having a couple days to think about it, um, you know, I, I really like this move, especially because I think it's going to help them in the playoffs. Um, that, that was a, a huge part of it. And, you know, Saad's still younger than Panarin. I think Saad's 24 and Panarin's 25. And, they both have a six million cap hit, but Saad is signed through twenty twenty one, which is two years longer than Panarin. So, I think that's the key. That's yeah, the most yeah. important thing. And I think what you said is right. Like Saad is a much better two way player. He's more of a proven playoff performer. He won two cups with us. And yeah, just I mean, each of those guys, if they keep playing the way they are, when they get to the end of their contract, they're going to be due for a raise. They're going to be in high demand, and so having the two extra years of Saad versus Panarin, even if they were exactly the same player, which I kind of favor Saad as a player, even if they were the same, I think getting that two extra years of Saad is huge. Yeah, it's, it's going to be big for us. And it seems, you know, the, the Hawks and Stan have continued to have to move pieces around all the time, and they, and they still end up competing, you know? So... Um, it's a new look, but we're, we're kind of used to that with having to try and keep the core around. So it's nice to have some uh, a familiar face come back. And kind of sucks that Tyler Mott never really panned out, but um, you know we're both definitely stoked to have Sod back. So good to see the Sod father back in the building. Uh, let's move along to the Cubbies. It's it's such a weird season right now. Like it's they're such an interesting team. Um, what do you have to say about them and? Obviously, you know, Schwarber just got sent down recently, so that's, I guess, the newest drama um, aside, aside from Russell in the, in the clubhouse. So um, what, what do you got on the Cubs this season? Because, you know, also, you know, Jake has been just brutal. So it's a really weird season right now. It has been weird. And uh, looking at the Cubs right now, they're 38 and 37, one game above 500. I'm just trying to figure out at what point do we start – actually worrying about it because so far we and i myself included i've been, been kind of like oh i'm not worried about it. they'll go on a run they'll pick it up they'll eventually like start playing like the team we expect um but it, it's kind of just been like 
every time they take a step forward, they win a couple games, then they lose a couple games, and that is obviously shown in our record of never really improving much past the 500 mark. So I'm not going to panic yet, but I do think it's now conceivable that the Cubs just might not be that good this year and might end up just like a mediocre team. It it does help that our division's not that good. We're not that far back. Yeah, that's huge. Um, yeah, so we're always we're. I mean, if we were in a really good division, if we were in the NL West, we'd be like burying ourselves right now. But at least we're still within striking distance if we can put together a good run. And you hope that's still possible. I don't. We definitely haven't played near our best baseball yet this entire season. Pitch everything's let us down, but especially the pitching, and it's been a huge disappointment. I know there was rumors and and you know these are these aren't new rumors that we've been looking at Chris Archer because I know the the Cubs have he's just been a guy on the radar for a while um but would he be a guy that you'd want to go after because we're going to need an arm I don't think it's I mean it's it's clearly obvious that we're going to need an arm um with the way that the, the Cubs have been pitching so what would you be willing to give up for Chris Archer and he's, or is he even a guy that you want to go after um, yeah, I would be definitely interested in Chris Archer. Um, I don't know how he's performed this year. I haven't paid that much attention, but I do like him, and he's a guy who I think you'd have multiple years of team control if you did get him. The thing with me, though, is I'm not – with all these trades, it always depends what you give up, obviously, but I don't want to give up a lot of guys off the major league roster. Like, I definitely wouldn't give up Javier Baez for him. He's a guy who sometimes gets thrown around, especially with some of the volatility with Russell this year. I mean, not – necessarily the personal situation although that's still a part of it but even he's had some injuries he's had some weird yips during the first i want to hold on to bias i think he's hugely valuable and the way haps played especially with schwarber struggling that makes me value happy even more so i don't know who on the major league team i would really be willing to give up for a guy like chris archer like i mean almora hasn't gotten to play as much as you'd like him to be able to play and when he plays he plays really well yeah, he had a big hit yesterday when I was watching. He had a, he had like a double, drove in a run. Um, I mean, he could maybe be a guy you'd trade, but I don't know. May, I mean, I, I don't know what really the value is for Archer. I feel like you'd have to give up multiple pieces for him. Like Aloy Jimenez is like, I think the Cubs' uh, top prospect now. I guess I would trade him, but I think we'd have to give up a lot more than that. Yeah, it's. I do wonder what we had to, to give up for him. Um, I mean... You just, I guess, you just trust Theo and and you trust Jed to to get done whatever they need to get done. And yeah, I mean, it's you know what one game above five hundred, like you said, but I don't think it's just time yet because you still do believe at some point they're going to find it and it's going to click, um, and and they're going to go on some type of run. But I mean, their batting average is twenty ninth in the league right now. It's just and they're fifteenth in runs, whereas last year just knocking in runs like it was no one's business. So it, it's just a weird season. I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, get past the all-star break and this will be a different team. But, yeah, it, it hasn't been as fun to watch them this year. And, and could you, I mean, just imagine what it would be like if they didn't win last year, how depressed Oh, my God. Right oh, my God. If we, Yeah, it's important to remember that and keep it in perspective. <laughs> yeah. we People would forget. Be like, People forget. We'd be out of our minds, yeah. But, I mean, I'm looking at the standings and the National League – is just there's so much mediocrity. The Cubs are only a game and a half behind Milwaukee, and Milwaukee's really, in first place. Can who really thinks that? Milwaukee's going to last and have a chance to win the division? I don't think anyone really does. Pittsburgh's five games below 500; they're in third. St. Louis is seven games below 500, and then 
even in the NL East, Washington is doing great, but no other team in that division is above 500. The NL West is really great. We're lucky we're not in that division because we would be about 13 games out if we were in that division behind the Dodgers. And then even Arizona and Colorado, who no one really expected to be good, those teams are about 10 and 9 games ahead of us, respectively. So all the talents in the West, I think those three teams are definitely going to be in the playoffs as a division winner and then the two wild cards. And then um, the East and Central are just going to – those teams are going to have to fight it out for those division titles. Hopefully the Cubs get ours. Remember when we thought Jake was going to get at least, no matter what, a $150 million contract? Oh, I feel bad for Jake. Yeah, I, I want sucks. him to get it. We'll see. We'll see what happens because he might improve, and I don't know. It depends kind of on the market. Someone might still pay a lot for him. His velocity's and, been down, though. It's it's. it's I know been, it is a it's, it's a concern. Yeah. Yeah. I hope I I hope he still gets good money though. Yeah, Jake, Jake's good, dude. I, I do as well. But um, I mean, I'm not gonna lie and say that I'm glad, or I'm not glad that we we, we didn't use up a lot of his arm in our best year ever. So. Still okay with using him as much as we did last year. Um, moving on from the Cubs, quick shout-out to the Chicago Fire. Going from the absolute worst team in the MLS last year to now arguably the best, they're second on points to Toronto FC. Um, so it, it's been awesome. I actually went to the game uh, this past weekend, and it was a lot of fun. It was sold out. I think it was like 22,000 people there, whereas you know only – three years ago, two years ago, they were getting like maybe three to 5,000 people in the stadium. So really cool to see it packed. Uh, you know, when we were talking about Schweinsteiger uh, a while back on the pod and how that could be a possibility, I never really actually thought it could, but he has been absolutely immense for this team and just controls the entire game. It was really fun to see him play. He had an amazing assist. David Akam had his first MLS hat trick, which was really cool to see. And um, Nico has been having a great season. So, I mean, they're a really, really fun team to watch. Um, so anyone out there who has not gotten on the Chicago fire train, I honestly recommend it this year because they, they could definitely challenge and, um, it's just fun to watch. I mean, if you want to watch a legend, Bastian Schweinsteiger play as well, I mean, it's, it's just awesome to see him play and his effect on the game and, and how much we kind of now have, are, have built the team sort of around him and, and how everything cycles through him. So, I know you're not a huge soccer guy, Brian, but I would encourage you, if, if you ever see a fire game on, watch it, because they're they're definitely worth it this year. Yeah, I feel like it would be fun to go. I uh, I haven't been to a fire game in probably 15 years, but I would go if I had the chance. Yeah, yeah it sucks, I mean, because it, it is far away. I mean, it's, it's probably even closer to you, maybe, than it is to me now. Um, it, it just, that's they're the like part They're like Bridgeport, that right? Yeah, yeah. So That's far away. It's It takes me, you know... I mean, it takes me a while. It takes by by car. It takes you know over an hour with traffic. Um, in public transit, it's like an hour and twenty. So it, it does definitely take a while to get there. If the stadium was in the city, you know, we had talked about this in the past, how it'd, it'd be a lot more popular in the city. But I mean, sold out yesterday. It shows when you have a good team that that Chicago loves its sports. So um, really cool to see yesterday or uh, on Saturday. Yeah, yesterday. So. Um, shout out to the Chicago Fire, and uh, hopefully they continue this this run that they're on because I think it's like now eight straight at home or something like that. So let's go Fire. Um, let's get in the winner and dingus of the week, dude. Who is your winner and who is your dingus of the week? 
So my winner of the week is uh, Tibbs. Tom, Tom Thibodeau made a great trade, totally fleeced the Bulls. You At the mine. same time, he got revenge on his old bosses and rivals, and he's adding a really good player to his team. He's not giving up really much that that was valuable for his team last year. Dunn played badly, and Levine was injured, and I think they might have even played a little better without him. So I think from his point of view, it's a home run. You 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 couldn't have said it any better. It was that's exactly what I was thinking. It's like if you look at this from any T Wolves fans' perspective, how are you not just the happiest fans in the league right now? Getting Jimmy Butler adding to Cat and Wiggins. I mean, Jimmy could even play the point for them if they want him to. Um, they have they have the guy that they needed because the thing with the Wolves this year is. They've been really good for the first, you know, three quarters, but they can't close out games. They've been in so many games this year that aren't against the Bulls because they definitely closed that out against us at the UC this year. They've been in games where they just, for whatever, I mean, obviously Cat and, and Wiggins are young, but they just haven't been able to close a lot of games. And now Jimmy provides that closer role for them, the maturity, the veteran. He, I think he's going to slot in really well there, and and him and Wiggins playing like perimeter defense with Cat. I mean, they, they're going to oh, be yeah. some teams. So, you know, if you're looking at it from their perspective, this is just maybe one of the best deals they've ever had in their franchise history. Yeah, Tibbs has to be ecstatic. I mean, especially like last year, the weakness of their team was even though they had him, he's a great defensive coach. They really didn't defend very well, mm-hmm. and Jimmy, for all that he can do on offense as a star. He's a great lockdown perimeter defender, and you put him with Wiggins, I think he's going to improve their team defense a lot, especially he'll be like the veteran leader of that team, being able to get the other guys to buy in on defense. And you got to also think about the fact that Minnesota, they're not a team that is going to be able to attract star free agents. So this is kind of the way they have to do it. And hopefully they can re-sign Jimmy, but um, this was huge in being able to add a star at least for two years. So I'm really interested to see how good they are. I don't think they're going to be any type of real contender um, like to be the Warriors or anything. But, I mean, hopefully they'll make the playoffs and they'll at least be an interesting team to watch throughout the season. Yeah, I hope I definitely hope they make the playoffs. And and like you said, the, I think, you know, he's – Jimmy will probably average less points this year because he doesn't need to be the guy anymore. You have Cat, who's going to be the number one, one option. Wiggins or Jimmy, it's going to be 2 and 2A two pretty much. And so that gives Jimmy the ability – to focus more on defense so he doesn't have to expend all of that energy on offense every time down. So I, I think Jimmy might average more rebounds, more assists this season, and maybe a little less points, but I think it's going to make his overall game even better. So, God, it's uh, just thinking about this trade even more just makes me so pissed that Jimmy's gone now. That's brutal. Yeah. Anyways, your dingus of the week. So for my Garpax Memorial Dingus for the yep. Week award, I could definitely give it to Garpax. Have they ever deserved it more? I don't think they have. I actually feel bad for all the times we gave it to them just when the Bulls were like dysfunctional. Like, Did they really earn it? Because they didn't actually do anything that week. But, I mean, this time they really earned it with a terrible trade. But trying to think outside the box a little bit, I'm going to give my Dingus of the Week to Phil Jackson. Just He's tangentially <laughs> re- related to Chicago sports now. But like... He's just like running the Knicks so badly. I and love it, dude. I love like, it. And, and I was I was hearing someone on the radio talk about this recently. Like biggest like a gap between like someone being a great legend, super successful, super competent at their job, to 
to how terrible they now are at their job. And I mean, Phil Jackson's got to be up there being one of the best coaches in the NBA history. I think he, he's won like 10 or 11 championships. And now he's like one of the worst GMs we've ever seen. I absolutely love it. I couldn't be happier that he is ruining the Knicks. Not like they ever really had much, but whatever they had left, he's he's just crushing it into the ground. I hope they trade Porzingis. This like it makes me so happy to see another New York team and set of fan base or um, set of fans just unhappy. It's it's great. I, I love it. Keep it up, Phil. Um, he's a Bull and a Laker at heart, so just keep ruining the Knicks. I'm all for it. Um, but that's that's definitely a good call. I mean, what what the hell is he doing? He is really really messing things up over there. So I almost I almost that. feel bad for the Knicks fans though. Like even though I I root against New York teams, but they've just from like Isaiah Thomas to like Donnie Walsh did a bad job. They've just been like I such. Love it. oh, it's I been love so it. miserable. It. It's the greatest. I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I can't stand New York teams. Just just love it. So. Um, all right, so my winner, you took it. Yeah, Tom Tom is just, I mean, it's such an easy winner of the week. Um, what a deal for, for the Wolves. Uh, Dingus, just like you said, it. we have now named it the, the Gar and Pax Dingus Award of the Week because, just like you said, we literally have been able to pick them almost every week for something that has happened. Um, so it's almost just cliche to do so now. Um, we got talking, you had actually brought up a good point. Dan Gilbert firing David Griffin. Um just getting rid of rid of one of LeBron's guys, stirring up the pot even more in Cleveland. I don't think that rift was ever over between the two. It is just like aside from that lucky win, like the Cavs have just been a dumpster fire. Not lucky win, but the Cavs have been just a dumpster fire. And you know, it, rumors are. I mean, could you imagine if LeBron leaves if he opts out and he and he goes after this season? Like the Cavs will be nothing. Just absolutely nothing, and no one want to go there. It's like, what is Dan Gilbert doing, thinking of firing one of LeBron's guys? And, and David Griffin, yeah, like he did a good job. Obviously, you know LeBron's there, so basically LeBron almost is the GM. But at the same time, he, David Griffin didn't do anything wrong. So it's kind of like, why are you firing the guy? It's just cr- causing chaos and, and drama. Yeah, and like you said, if LeBron does leave, it's going to be Dan Gilbert's fault, basically. Oh. Yeah. Um, and I actually, I never thought before now, this is kind of a tangent, I, I, before like this, the past couple of weeks where there's been all this hype about LeBron maybe leaving, I never really thought that would was a real possibility just based on all the stuff LeBron said when he came back to the Cavaliers, like in his letter about how he was coming home to Cleveland and how it was such a great thing. I was like, well, there's no way he can leave now after he says all this stuff. But it sounds like some of the hype behind him maybe leaving has some real substance behind it. So I would think it would be good. so funny. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine if he left how funny that would be? Oh. It would be. I mean, I don't even think the fans will get so mad like they did the first time, though, because at least he brought them a championship. Right, that's the point. Like, they have no excuse, but still, I think it would just be hilarious to see that, too. I'm just kidding yeah. the fan bases this pod, but I just think it would be hilarious. Just so funny to see that happen. <laughs> um, it would suck if he went to the Lakers, which is a rumor that he might like that'd be one of the teams that he'd go to, but that would just be funny if he left after promising to like be there forever. So There's um, also the rumor of like he wants to get back together with the Banana Boat crew, Chris Mello. Paul, Dwayne Wade and Mello. <laughs> yeah. But like 
Well, by the time that happens, that wouldn't be that good of a team because like no, Wade has already like declined a lot. Melo is declining. Chris Paul's getting older. LeBron's still great, but he's gonna decline a little. I don't really think that would be like a championship level team, even if you got those guys together. LeBron already had trouble guarding KD. LeBron's getting older. KD is entering his prime, and you have Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond. Klay Thompson may leave, but I mean, there's no way that that team would ever compete with with Golden State. So. Yeah, these it seems it just seems like the next couple of years are going to be run by Golden State and, and everyone else is just going to come in second. So, um, let's move on to the podium. Podium this week, summer activities. It is finally summer in Chicago, the best summer city in the world. So, Brian, let's hear them. Your gold, your silver, your bronze, and your participation award of summer activities. All right, my gold medal for summer activity is. Going on vacation to Door County. Um, for those that don't know, it's a nice vacation destination in Wisconsin, about four hours north along Lake Michigan from Chicago. Beautiful. Um, been going up there since I was a kid. That's probably my favorite thing to do in the summer. That's a good one. Um, my silver medal, a little more relatable than that one, is Fourth of July. Um, yes. So it's probably my second favorite holiday of the year uh, after Christmas and. Just, just a great day. Go out, um, you barbecue, you drink, maybe watch a parade, um, wear some sort of American flag apparel. Um, just a really fun holiday. Oh yeah, I'm right there with you on that. Uh, my bronze medal is going to Wrigley Field. Um, that's an amazing thing to do in the summer. Sit out in the bleachers or whatever, watch the Cubs game, have a great time. Maybe after the game, you hit up a bar in Wrigleyville. Um, I mean, even when the Cubs aren't good, it's still a really thing, good, fun oh, yeah. thing to do. And then, you know, you have like the nostalgia of, of Wrigley and all the Cubs stuff. Absolutely. Um, and then my participation trophy is going to uh, the pool. So um, been been a pool guy ever since I was a kid, rec pool in Arlington Heights. Um, been going there since I was a baby, and then I worked there, managed there, but – not just that pool. It's uh, just sitting by the pool, even in Chicago, on oh, some yeah. of those nice, nice rooftop spots. Is a, a top-notch summer activity. It's it's a classic, and and I had to leave. Mine is so stereotypical that I had to leave a couple out. Like, I I would have had too many. Like the pool and the beach, I just had to leave out just because I already have too many other stereotypical ones. But those are definitely, I mean, great calls, classic summer activities. My gold is going to Wrigley Field. You said it all. Even when they suck, it's a great day. And, I mean, just being in Wrigley on a, on a nice summer day, not not much is better than that. Uh, my silver is just grilling out. Like you said on 4th of July, I, I just love grilling out all summer. It's good stuff. Burger, dogs. What else What else would be even like – so you're, you're getting a plate at a barbecue. What, what, what are you putting on that plate, obviously, besides like a burger or a dog? Like what kind of sides are you putting on there? Oh, man. Now I'm thinking I should have put grilling out into my podium. But, um, I mean, some of the classic barbecue sides I'm not as into, like potato salad. I, okay. I think that's like the most disgusting thing in the world. But, <laughs> I mean, there are some really good sides that people make, like just various types of salads and like, you know, get some fruit salad, some, some chips, like a pickle. But for chips me, the classic. real... The real money in the barbecue is the meat. So whatever you're making, like sausage, dog, uh, burger, or like a steak, that that's what I come to the barbecue for. See, potato salad, I'm on the fence about that because 
it's weird. Like the one time you figure you wouldn't want potato salad is like on a hot day out in the sun. But it's just yeah. such a part of barbecuing that I feel like I have to have it. So it's, it's weird to catch 22. It's like, do I really like this? But it's just essential to having a barbecue. So I don't know. It's, it's a weird one. Anyways, getting off on a tangent. Uh, participation. Or sorry, my bronze. Bronze is now in Chicago, a lot of outdoor concerts and festivals. So like Tinley Park, uh, Millennium Park, and just concerts in general. Like the, the bands that come through Chicago in the summer are amazing and you have Lollapalooza a lot of people like Lake Shake not me um, but just like concerts festivals like Rib Fest like all that stuff happening in Chicago it's awesome I, I really want to go to Rib Fest this year so I'm thinking about it um, when's that? I think in late July I want to say it's so good uh, I stopped by it last year it's phenomenal and they just have there's yeah. so much stuff like if you just look there's just always some type of festival or concert going on in the summer here so have we ever done a podium or a favorite foods because I think ribs would probably be on mine oh, I think we go to rib fest I don't know we should we should think about that one I don't think we have um, but yeah ribs are oh yeah rib fest so good uh, and then uh, participation in Chicago a lot of rooftops rooftop bars place to be and, and there are a lot of them. I mean, there's so many free roof, rooftops that you can go to. So pretty stereotypical, but that, that's definitely my podium. Um, that's a good one. Uh, oh, trivia, trivia question. So this may be probably the hardest trivia question I think we've ever done on the show just because these names definitely are not very well-known <laughs> names. But let's do it again. Uh, relevant to the NBA draft. So excluding the NBA expansion draft. Who is the first ever player drafted by the Bulls? Brian, is it either A, Bob Boozer, B, Jim Washington, C, Guy Rogers, or D, Dave Shellhase? Uh, I'm going to go with Bob Boozer. Good guess, but wrong. And I would have guessed that too just because it's a great name. Um, but it's actually D- Dave Shellhase. So he was the first player ever chosen by the Chicago Bulls in the NBA draft, 10th overall pick in the 1966 draft. So... That will never be useful to you in the future, but now you know it. So that's what we yeah, got to provide you useless information. So, gotta say, I've never heard of that guy before. Never, ever. So that's that's why we do it. That's why we that's why we do this podcast, just to give you useless information. So, if you want to see some more of that, you can go on Twitter and find us at the Windy City Way. Brian, where can we find you on Twitter? You can find me at Brian Double Underscore Forest. So I've been thinking about going private lately. So. Keep you updated on that. Ooh, I don't know. All right, all right, we'll see. Uh, and then you can find me at Jay Vishney. Any chance there are any Liverpool fans out there? Uh, I do a Liverpool podcast. It's at Talk on FP on Twitter. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. It, it uh, hopefully we'll get into it um, a lot more. It's obviously the the past week has been a bit chaotic, and other than baseball, something finally happened. So um, there's definitely going to be more news coming up with the Bears and, and training camp and and all that so we'll we'll get another podcast out soon here and um appreciate y'all listening that's how we do things the windy city way